0: to your Bibles to the book of 1st Corinthians in chapter 2 it's really good to be here this morning Um, I uh, left here as pastor 20 years ago or so uh, plus a couple months and it is just wonderful to be back worshiping with you and to see that uh, the gospel work of God is continuing we were in Sunday school this morning with Tim and wow, really, really, really good stuff from Tim. And good discussion. So it's very good to be here this morning. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, uh, we need your power this morning. Our faith must not and cannot rest on the wisdom of men. And so we, we need your spirit to come. We are totally unable, unable. We need the supernatural help of your spirit. We need your supernatural book. We need eyes to see. Our Father, we, we read through the Gospels and the men who knew the Bible the best had no power. They couldn't see. Jesus told them over and over again, have you not read? Yes, they'd read, but they'd read with wrong eyes. And so, Father, give us eyes to see. Send your spirit, We, we plead. Open the truth of this testimony of Christ to us. In his name we pray, amen. So, what is a Christian? Not how you became a Christian, but what is a Christian? How would you define that? It's a rhetorical question. It's good, there's no hands. (laughs) What is a Christian? Um, I think a Christian is someone who loves God who loves and treasures God more than any other treasure. Sometimes we answer the question, how do you become a Christian? And um, it's it's common for people to say, well, we pray and we ask Christ to forgive our sins, um, which is a good thing. We, we, We need to have our sins forgiven, but that's not enough to get you to heaven, you know. Forgiveness of sins is not enough. Um, You not only need your sins forgiven, but you need perfect acts of righteousness credited to your account, or he would not let you in. But even then, forgiveness of sin and and perfect acts of righteousness credited to our account, which is the doctrine of justification by faith alone, that double imputation, he got my sin and I get his righteousness, His righteousness gets credited to me. But that in and of itself is not the end game of what it means to be a Christian, to have your sins forgiven. It's a means to an end. What it means to be a Christian is that you know God, and if you know him, you love him. You love him and you treasure him more than any other treasure. Everything else fades in insignificance. But to come to understand that, and and to to actually feel that, um, and, and there's a great danger in that we who know the Bible well would be like Pharisees who really haven't seen, who really do not know, we need the aid of the Spirit. We need the Spirit in conversion. The Spirit of God must open the eyes of the blind so that they would see because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they may not see what? This is 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. that they might not see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so when you, when, when you come to know God, you see a glorious thing, and it, 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 it's a supernatural thing that happens. We're brought, we are brought forth, we are born again by the word of truth. The Spirit of God opens our minds to see these things, and we are born again. Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians 2. Let's take a look at our text. And when I came to you, brethren, he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he's recounting when he came to them. Firstly, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. I didn't didn't come as a great orator. I didn't come with big words and fancy illustrations and all the techniques of the Greeks that they used, no. I did not proclaim to you the testimony of God that way. God's testimony is that Christ has died for our sins and that we are under the wrath of God and destined for an eternity of punishment unless we believe and turn to the Savior Jesus Christ, the only way to have sins forgiven, the only way to come to God. For I determined, verse two, I decided, I set my heart to know nothing among you, to preach nothing among you except this seminal message of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did. That's the gospel. Him crucified, risen from the dead. This is shorthand for the gospel message. It doesn't doesn't mean that Paul didn't teach them other things, but everything he taught them had its central focus in this gospel you know, the university system in the United States, Harvard and Yale and all, those, all the great universities, everyone came to study theology. Theology was the core curriculum. And then you studied science and history and English and biology and all these other things. But at the core, at the core was theology. And that's what Paul is saying. I taught you other things. I taught you how to live together and how to love each other But at the core of all that teaching is Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen from the dead. And I was with you, verse three, in weakness and in fear and much trembling. I think he means there that that he had an idea of how critical this message was and he didn't want to mess it up. You ever felt that way sometimes when you're talking to someone about what it means to be a Christian? Uh, Yesterday at the gym, I I ride a bicycle, I ride um, a mountain bike and a road bike, but mostly I go to the gym and I sit on a stationary bike and I pedal. And I have my iPad and I have my uh, cell phone all set up with my earbuds listening to the Getty's new album yesterday. And I was reading John Piper's book, Reading the Bible Supernaturally, which in recent days has become my number one recommendation. It's 25 bucks. It'll be the best 25 bucks you ever spent. And I had the opportunity to share my faith. And and I just prayed, Lord, keep me from saying something stupid. (laughs) Because I'm apt to do that. And so I was able to share Christ crucified and risen as the only way to heaven. And I just pray that he remember it. I, I pray that it have an impact in his life. And and I came to the front desk and there was a girl, her, her name is Brittany, her real name. <laughs> and um, she looked like she was in junior high, but she was a college graduate. <laughs> I told her, I, I don't know anymore. When, when you reach a certain age, they all look like they're in junior high. <laughs> and she graduated from UCI with a psychology major. I said, I was a psychology major, and we talked about it. and. Uh, and I gave her a little spiel about theology at the middle, and, you know, she understands psychology is, it's, it's a lost, it's a lost discipline. They don't know what they're doing. They're out in space because they don't understand that the center of who we are is the image of God, and I think Tim's speaking on that next week. You should come to Sunday school. It was great. The center of who we are is the image of God, and we've we've sinned, and we're under the wrath of God and Jesus Christ. And, and until they understand that, everything they study by psychology is going to be vacuous. She understood that, and I understood that. And so I keep in my gym bag um, several books. Um, one is a kind of a reboot of um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Um, and the other one is Tim Keller's book, A Reason for God. So I gave her reason, the reason for God. She said she'd read it. I said, good for you. I don't know where I was going with that, except <laughs> I think Paul was with him in weakness and fear and much trembling because it, it's the most important message. It, the, the world does not know that they have a Savior. The world does not know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And, 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 and I, I, I really believe that part of the fix for the world is for us as believers to become re-amazed. We we just need to shudder at the thought that God would send his son to die for me. If, If that doesn't send chills down your backside, if that doesn't just grip you, pray for yourself and pray that it grips you, that God would save you, that God would save me, Really, really unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And the only, the only way that, that we came to understand that was the Spirit of God regenerated our hearts and we saw the beauty and the glory and the wonder wonderment of Christ. And of course we turned to him. Of course, he opened our eyes to see that. The thing the Pharisees never got. They crucified the Lord of glory because they didn't see him for who he was. And so Paul was with them and weakness and fear and in much trembling. So what did he do? Verse four, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. I was so afraid that you would become a Christian because I'm a professional athlete. I was so afraid that you would become a Christian because I have cool worship songs. And I have chord progressions that, whoa, that was cool. Yeah, I want to be a Christian. I was so afraid that you would become a Christian to please your parents. I was so afraid that you would become a Christian for the wrong reasons. And so what I did is I, I just gave you the pure, unadulterated gospel. And everything I said found its root in that gospel. Because I wanted your faith in Christ to rest, not on the wisdom of men, not on coolness, not on rhetoric, not on speech, not because I had the cool guy jacket on or the the skinny jeans or I don't know what it is that people get attracted to now. Hopefully, it's beards. But Paul said, I did not want your faith in Jesus Christ to rest on anything but the power of God. And the power of God here is the power of the Holy Spirit to take the words of the gospel found in this book, this precious book you hold, to take the words of that gospel and to make them come to life. Um, if 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 you don't know these verses, you must Second Corinthians. Keep your finger there. Second Corinthians four, and, and I'm I'm sure you just love these verses. If our gospel is veiled, verse three, Second Corinthians four three is veiled to those who are perishing. In who whose case, the God of this world, I believe the enemy, Satan, who hates Christians, who hates every human being, and he wants them dead because he hates God we are created in God's image that's why he hates us he wants us dead in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as bond servants for Jesus' sake for the God who said The God who said at creation, the God who spoke these words, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The humiliation of Jesus Christ and his merciful death, the most most, uh, amazing upside-down thing that could have ever happened, That the Lord of glory would die for sinners who had nothing to commend to themselves. That he would die is the most glorious thing about God. When God reveals his glory, he reveals it through the cross. He reveals it through weakness and humility and service. Back to 1 Corinthians. That your face should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God, the power of God to open your eyes to open your spiritual mind to see the glorious nature of what Jesus did on the cross, and to see God. You know, for years, I didn't understand John 17, 3. I just didn't get it. I memorized it, but I didn't get it. I, I thought being a Christian was saying the prayer. This is eternal life, that they may know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. That's the object of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the end game. Heaven is not the end game. The end game is we know God, because and when you see His glory, you understand that He's the treasure among, above every other treasure. That's what He says in Matthew 13 kingdom of God. It's like a man who finds a treasure in the field and he goes and he sells everything he has. And then he gets the treasure. I left something out. Does anyone know what I left out? For joy. For joy. He goes for the treasure with joy. He doesn't go for the treasure with Dragging feet, and oh shoot, now I gotta become a Christian. Oh shoot, I gotta serve God. No, for joy. Everything for joy. Because he's, he's come to know God. He sees the glory of God in the face of Christ. So he gives everything for it. All right, that your face should not rest on the wisdom of men, 1 Corinthians 2 5, but on the power of God. Verse 6, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom. However, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age are passing away. This gospel message is a foolish message. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's not the wisdom of men. It's the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to men. Do you find when you tell people about Christ that it's, it's, a, it's a polarizing thing to talk to people about Christ? They either think he's foolish, or they think he's not that important, or... or if they're professing Christians, sometimes they, they, they don't want to talk about him for some reason. <clears throat> Verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. It's hidden because you can't see it unless you have the spirit of God to open your eyes to see it. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They killed him. They killed the most glorious being in the universe. They, they kill God. It's just unimaginable. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. When I was growing up, what, what I was told this verse meant is that when you get to heaven, it's going to be so much better than you ever thought. That's not what, the, that's not what it means not what it means at all I mean the most glorious thing when we die is we're gonna see the face of the Savior and everything else is going to be insignificant we're gonna see him face to face and and we'll just fall down and worship but that's not what this verse means it's it's things which because you just keep reading if you don't understand what the Bible says just keep reading look what the next verse says For to us, I believe it can be translated but to us. God has revealed them through the Spirit. In other words, back to verse 9, we could insert here, things which a natural man has not seen, and the unbelieving haven't heard or even imagined, has not even entered their hearts. They have no idea of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. They have no idea what God has prepared for those who love him, what God has for us. But to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. This is is the miracle of new birth. We're born again. We're regenerated. We see it. We see it. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The Holy Spirit of God knows the very depths of God. I know when we talk about God, it's kind of like confusing. It's because he's complicated. I like to say that. God's just complicated. In fact, He's so complicated, it's beyond our understanding. But the things we can't understand about Him, we Job says we only know the fringes of His ways. We only know that much, but the stuff He's told us we can know. Some of it we can't make sense of, but that's okay. Our brains are little and He's huge. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, searches the very depths of God. And at the very depths of God, the most important thing about the glory of God, the most glorious thing about the God of the universe, is that Christ died for sins and rose again. That's the most glorious thing. And that's what the Spirit reveals to us when we become Christians. That's what he reveals to us. That's why when you became a Christian, it was like the most eye-opening, amazing experience in the world. And the longer you're a Christian, the more amazed you become. There's no other way. Let's keep reading. For who among men, verse 11, knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows Except the spirit of God. You cannot know the thoughts of God except by the spirit of God. God is unknowable. God is so far beyond, so far above. He is, he is absolutely unknowable unless he decides to reveal himself. And that by itself is a massive act of graciousness. Look at verse 12. Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. That we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul is talking here about... Now this microphone has me tethered can't stand it I I can just speak loudly okay I will what Paul is saying is that we cannot know God but the Spirit of God knows God the depths of God and the depths of God the most glorious deepest thing about God is the cross of Christ what he did and what the Spirit of God did is he revealed that truth to the Apostle Paul in words, in human words, in language. That is a miracle. That is a supernatural event that the truth of the glory of God could be put on words, on pages, is an absolute, stupendous miracle. Look at it. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. So the Spirit of God was moving, in the Apostle Paul, as he wrote on pages, using his own personality and using a pen or whatever he used to write on those animal skins or whatever they wrote on, the words of Scripture, that's a miracle. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They look at these words on the page, and they don't get it. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, haven't you read? Haven't you read? Of course they'd read. They'd memorized it. But they hadn't read it in the right way. They didn't didn't have eyes to see it. They didn't have the Spirit of God to open up their perception to it. Verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. They're spiritually appraised. But he is spiritual. He's talking about Christians here. We have the Spirit of God. He appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That... The, that, that should, we, we just have to sit amazed. So, First Peter chapter one. I suppose you can turn there if you want. Since you have an obedience to the truth, this is 22, purify your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another for the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but you have been born again by imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. That's how you got born again. The word of God, however it came to you, you either wrote it, read it, or someone spoke it to you, or it came to your remembrance because you had read it or heard it. However it did, however it came, the word of truth about Jesus Christ came to you, and the Spirit of God opened your eyes to see the glory of Christ, and how wonderful this was It saw your plight as a sinner, and you turned to Christ and you believed. And from then on, you knew God. This is eternal life that they may know thee. So... What do we have in our hands right now? We have the same word of God by which we were saved. We have the same word of God that reveals to us the mind of God. And if you're a Christian this morning, you have the same spirit of God that saved you. So that you can look at this book with spiritual eyes and just be blown away all the time blown away all the time by this word. When Tim asked me to come and speak, I, I just instinctively, 1 Corinthians 2, no doubt. But in my preparation, I decided that part of my preparation would be using what I was going to say to read anew. And so this week I read the Gospel of John. It was was like I'd never read it before. It was like, wow, wow. Your job as a Christian, if you're truly a Christian, is to read the Bible anew every time you pick it up and to be in shock and in awe of what it says. And if you are not, if if you pick up the book and say, there's nothing here, repent, confess that sin, and say, Lord, theres I, I'm amazed at lesser glories. Th- this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of who God is. And if you're not amazed by it, if, if you would prefer to watch the football game, or you're, you're more excited about whatever it is, about your new outfit, or your new car, or your new trophy, or your degree, if the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ himself, as revealed in this book, does not, just, does not just grab your heart, confess that sin, and say, Lord, help me. And actually, that's what you should pray every time you read your Bible. Read Psalm 119 to, to prep. I read Psalm 1 and Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, Psalm 16 and some others. I got carried away. <laughs> you know what Psalm 1 says? How blessed is the man who does not walk stand in the counsel of the wicked, the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It doesn't say his boredom is in the law of the Lord or He occasionally picks it up and reads it. No, he delights in it. It's his meditation all the day. Read Psalm 119. Psalm 119, every single verse except a couple has three parts to it, myself, the word of God, and God. And it's a prayer. He prays over and over and over again. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law, Psalm 119, 18. So before you pick it up, and before you're bored by it, before you read it, and aren't shocked and in awe, understand this, that you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this. It is above and beyond you. Remember what Paul says? Spiritual thoughts into spiritual words. We need the Spirit of God. Don't don't just assume that you and your natural self can read this and understand it. You cannot. You need the help of the Spirit of God, and you must pray. Every time before you open the book, you say, Lord, I just, can't, I just can't do this. You're going to have to open my eyes. Please, Lord, I beg you, teach me your ways. Teach me to love your book. Lord, help me to see. Lord, make all the things that I glory in, all the things that have captured my heart, Let them fade in insignificance as I see you in the book. Now, what that means is that you're going to have to read the book for different reasons than many people read the book. You don't read the book to find out five happy keys to raise Christian children who vote Republican or Democrat. I'm an equal opportunity. Annoyer. (laughs) No. Of course, you learn things in the book about how to raise your kids. But that's not first and foremost. You read the book. You read the book to see the glory of God and to be shocked and in awe of who he is. I was just absolutely, totally amazed so that your worship is just white and hot. It's just, you just can't stand it. Do you, ever, do you ever read the Bible, and you get to the place where you just, you, you just can't stand it? It's just, whoa. You just have to stop, and you have to pray? You've got to get to that place. The world needs Christians. Who are there that we are we are we are so amazed at who God is that we just can't keep it inside. You know, whenever whenever someone talks about evangelism in the past, I used to get I used to be real guilty. Because I was ashamed. I, I was just afraid. I'm gonna tell someone about Jesus, they're gonna think I'm a, a hick. From Hayfork which is where we came from before we came here. And it was Hicksville. The original redneck was born in Hayden Fork. Anyway, so you need to get to the place where you can't hold it in. It's just going to come out. That's where you have to be. And if you are not there, ask God to get you there. Just say, Lord, this is the word of truth. This, I've been born again by this word of truth. And and when I entered this Christian life, I I knew this slice, I knew this little slice of who Jesus was. That he died for my sins. And and I learned this glorious thing, and and the more I read it, the more glorious things I learn. The more things I I learn about what Christ did and what he demands, Of, of course. The, the pastor at the church we're going to right now, Laguna Hills, he's, pre, he's got, he, he introduced a sermon on order salutis. Like, Rick, what are you doing? It's Latin for the order of salvation. All, all the elements, the you know, the, the Bible eggheads, the reform guys. It's those are synonymous terms. but it's not a pejorative term it's it's a compliment Um, they they like to talk about how we got saved in fact we're gonna be talking about it and reading about it for all eternity the books everything the the book according to Isaiah abides forever your soul God and the book The only three eternal things so we're gonna be studying it and the book is about redemption God redeeming the, the universe to himself, to himself for his glory and our great joy. That's what we're going to be studying in the book for all eternity. So you become so amazed by it, you just can't hold it in. That's what Jeremiah says. If I, if I say I will not speak to him anymore in his name, I, 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 I'm wearied. I, I just cannot do it. So... I have no idea when I'm supposed to be done. Nobody say anything, please. (laughs) So, um, just to review, I've got six things here. You got converted when the word was proclaimed, and the Spirit of God opened your heart to see the glory of Christ and his cross. That's how you got converted, that's how you became a Christian. Number two, the Bible is first and foremost above anything else, the revelation of God's glorious glory. And you can write down 2 Corinthians 4, 4 5, and 6. There's, I got a ton of references here. Number three, the Bible is full of the mind of God. It's the most interesting thing ever. The mind of God. And that we have the Spirit of God to know the mind of God. That was First Corinthians 2, 16. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of God. Number four, we hear God's voice in the Bible. Number five, it requires the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that converted you is a spirit that must open your eyes to see these glorious things. And if the Bible is boring to you, that's a sin. It's a sin to neglect the Bible. Number six. And I don't think I've mentioned this especially from First Corinthians, but it's from Jeremiah 112. There's, there's a couple of verses in the Old Testament that just that have have just Jeremiah 112. God acts by his word. He watches over his word to perform it. That's what God does. So I know I've mentioned this before, but if God watches over his work, his word, and that's how he works, it would be a very smart thing for us to pray the Bible. Wouldn't it? If God works according to his word, and he watches over his word to do it, we should pray. We should pray over the word. We should read the Bible and pray, and read some more and pray, and see what it says, and pray, and watch God perform his work. There's one more verse, it's in your, your bulletin or whatever, what do you call this? Bulletin, okay. On the outside, 1 Samuel three twenty one. Please get this way, where you, you read in the Bible and you just can't get over it, please get this way. I pray that God make you this way that you read things in the Bible, and you're just like, whoa. 1 Samuel 3.21 is one of those I can't get over. The Lord appeared to Samuel at Shiloh. Remember the story, little Samuel, and the Lord went to Eli three times, and then he says, I'm here, Lord, it's you, I'm listening. So at the end of that section, he says, the Lord appeared to Samuel At Shiloh. And how did God appear? The last part of that verse, by the word of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Samuel at Shiloh. And you're thinking, oh, he got to see God. No. Well, yes. What do you mean? By his word. There's a supernatural event that happens when you read the word with the aid of the Holy Spirit. You see God. You see God. That's what Paul told the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 3, who's bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. The Galatians never saw Jesus crucified. They heard the preaching of the word. They heard the word. They saw Jesus crucified. The Lord appeared to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. So here's what you do. You, I've got 15 things right here. I'm going to leave this sheet right up here. You can take notes if you want. I'm going to go through them all right now. Because I'm just going to assume we're done at one. <laughs> so this is the application of this amazing truth that if you have been born again by the Spirit of God, you know God, and the same Spirit has worked through the apostles and the prophets to give us words on a page that reflect the mind of God and that we have the Spirit of God. And as he inspired these words and as he moved men to write these words, he now illumines us. We are not inspired as we read it. We are illumined by the Holy Spirit to see and understand God, God. So here's 15 things. I'll leave it up here. You can come and copy or here's what I do. I just take my cell phone and take a picture. All right, that works too. 15 things, you ready? Number one, it's helpful, not always necessary to pick up a new translation for your reading. If you've been using a New American Standard all your life, like I have been, and that's what this book is right here, I I usually read these days in an ESV. That's my study. That's my. This is. It's it's great. I love it. Preach from it. It helps to pick up a new translation because you get just. You, does it happen to you? You get used to the sequence of words, and and you just read them and just read past them, and you're not amazed by them, you know can't tell you how many times I read it in the ESV and I go, oh, you have that wrong. Wait a second. I never saw that. I never saw that. There's, there's verses that, that the ESV has and it, it changes. So pick up a new track. That might help. This, here, here's the deal. It, it takes the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural event. But there's stuff you can do. There's stuff you can do. You work in cooperation with God, OK? That's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. I worked harder than anybody, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God, OK? So you, in your Bible reading, don't expect to be lazy and get anything out of it. you got to be diligent. you got to work. It's hard work, but it's great work, isn't it? That's what we say about moms with preschoolers. Exhausted is there any better work there's no better work all right so pick up a new translation and work at it number 2 get a reading plan it helps it helps to check off boxes the bible project app has a great app for checking off the boxes it really helps do the plan do the pl- find a plan and do it because there's going to be mornings or evenings you're just going to say oh i got to do the plan So you don't really want to read your Bible. I mean, I've never been this way. Other people have told me this. (laughs) You don't really really want. You got the reading plan. You don't want to get behind. And so you sit down, and you get your Bible, and you say, "Lord, I got a confession." Okay, you can. At that point, you start with confession. Lord, I'm really sorry. Get my heart right, and show me wonderful things from your law. There's never once I've read the Bible and, and look back and go, oh, that was a waste. That was a waste of time. I, I should have been whatever else. No. So get the plan. Number three, make an appointment to read. We make appointments for everything else, don't we? You go to school, you're a class, 7 to 9, 10 to 11. You make an appointment. It's in your calendar. Make an appointment in your calendar to read. It's not going to happen by happenstance. Water always finds the lowest level, and we're just like that. You have to work at it. Make an appointment. It helps to read in the same place at the same time every day. Find your corner and discipline yourself. Turn off the television. Turn off the phone. Turn off the computer. Turn off your husband. I mean, turn off the kids. Pray that you will not be distracted. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Second Timothy four, seven and eight. Have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So discipline yourself. This is very helpful too, because I mean, people have told me this. It never happened to me. But you're reading your Bible, and your mind you know, kind of wanders, and you're thinking, oh, i got to do that. Oh, Just keep a little notepad right by your side. Just write down your list. You're not going to forget it. It's right there. You can do it. You can return to the most important thing, OK? Number four, get some resources. I mean I have an ESV study Bible on my phone and on my iPad and I have paper copies. I have the Christian Standard Bible with notes. I have the Zondervan I I have study Bibles like crazy and I have commentaries. I have I have 600 books on Kindle that are with me at all times because I read the Bible and I don't get it. So get resources. Don't be proud. I mean the most important thing is for you to struggle with the text. You just sit and you just read it. You try to figure it out and put things together and read the verse in its context. And if you don't understand a verse, like 1 Corinthians 2, 9, things which I have seen as there's not, just keep reading. For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. So figure it out. But when you're at an impasse, study Bible. All right. Resources. Online. Go to gospelcoalition.org. Go to LigonierMinistries.com, whatever. Number five. You writing these down? Okay. Read to understand God. Pray first, and then read until you taste the sweetness of his thunder. I don't think I made that up. I'd like to take credit for it. The sweetness of his thunder. When God speaks in the Old Testament, his voice thunders. So who are we to think that the Lord appeared to Samuel Shiloh by the word of the Lord? So he's thundering in the book. And it's sweet, it's gracious. Read, read until you taste the sweetness of his thunder, until you feel the sweetness and the awe of God. Don't read for understanding only. Read until your emotions. Read and, until you're just gripped. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are given us as white, I mean, a lot of us, Scandinavians, you know, Lloyd McCrosty, Anyone remember Lloyd? You know what he said to me? I'll never forget it. I love my wife so much, I almost told her once. <laughs> I love my God so much, I almost told him once. Did you tell God you love him? Do you get emotional about God? Read until you understand him and you taste his sweetness and his thunder. Read until you're just, you're just gripped. Number six, read the book introductions from a good study Bible. Context is essential, remember the categories. In other words, just don't begin Philippians, but read the introduction. Find out that Paul was in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 and he was in prison. It gives you a little context to understand. It helps. Number seven, it's okay to read and not understand everything. Every time you read, you will understand more. If I stopped reading until I understood everything, I wouldn't finish a sentence, probably. It's okay to read and not understand. The more you read your Bible, say in 2018, you read through the Bible in a year, when you start again in 2019, you'll understand more, guaranteed. Every time you read, you understand more. So I'm giving you hope here. Number eight, join a group that talks about the Bible. Join a group of people who talk about the Bible. We're Americans and we are way too individualistic. The Bible was meant to be read and studied in groups. Primarily, primarily. It doesn't mean that you don't read by yourself, you must. We have copies, join a group. Get with a group of people who read the Bible. Number nine, mark up your Bible, make notes in it, underline stuff. I mean, look, 2 Kings. Who reads 2 Kings chapter 2? It's all underlined. And the New Testament is a mess. I, I probably shouldn't even have this Bible. Everything's underlined. <laughs> <laughs> underline it. And then when you underline it, when, when you're reading and a verse just, just pops out at you, just write it down on a 3x5 card to memorize it. The Spirit of God sometimes, in fact, all the times, when you're reading the Bible, something will just pop You go, whoa, write it down. The Spirit of God is saying, Bob, you need that. You need to know that. You need to memorize that. You need to think about that. Number 10. Well, this is, I already covered 10. Keep a note, pad close, list of things. Number 11, read actively. Pray, read, worship, give thanks. Read, pray, confess, repent, trust. Obey, read. Just don't go, oh, I got to read my chapter today or my section today and just read it. No, read actively. Think about it. Pray about it. Say, Lord, I... people have told me this. has never happened to me. But you're reading and your mind wanders and you don't even know what you just read. Here's what you do. Confess that sin and go back. Say, Lord, you appeared to me, and you were speaking to me, and I was checking my cell phone. I mean, think about it. If this is God speaking to us. Number 12. We're on 12. Read and remember the story and contemplate. 2 Timothy 2.7. Think on these things. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think about what it says. Think about what it says. Meditate on Think about these things. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think, think, think. The ordinary act of thinking aided by the Spirit of God to understand the truth of the Word of God in words, in sentences, in grammatical structures, in paragraphs, in books. You think about these things. The Spirit of God is at work to understand these things and open your eyes to the beauty and the wonder and the thunder of his sweetness, or the sweetness of his thunder. Listen to the audio Bible, number 13. I don't do this much, but a lot of people tell me it's a great thing to do. You can do it too. Sometimes at night, I'll put in my headphones. My kids got me these incredible headphones. I use them on airplanes, they're great. Bose noise-canceling headphones. So I, I get the ESV Bible, and I just listen to the Bible until I go to sleep. It's great, try it. Number 14, read the Bible with others. I am so glad your church reads the Bible publicly. You tell Timothy, pay attention to the public reading of scripture. Read, just read the Bible with others. Um, We have a a family we know, the Johnstons, heard their real names. And on Thursday nights, um, you go to their house, and from 7 to 7.45, we just read the Bible. Everybody reads the chapter. If you don't want to read, you don't have to. You just listen. We just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Number 15, watch your life change. Guaranteed. I guarantee you, if you read the Bible this way, your life will change. You'll be more satisfied. Your money problems will seem like nothing. Your love for Jesus will increase. You'll love your spouse even more, but you'll love Jesus more than you love your spouse. The Bible, Psalm 19, will revive your soul. It will refresh your bones. It'll make you wise. It is sweeter than honey. My anniversary is February fourteenth. Mike and I were married on that day. Um, there's a story behind that, but it's mostly full of romance. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine in our thirty-eighth anniversary coming up in two thousand nineteen, I went and bought her two dozen roses, and I don't I don't know what they cost today. Maybe two hundred dollars and. Um, I knocked on the front door, and she answers the door. She goes, why don't you just come in? I go, honey, I I read in a book, and all my buddies told me that I better get you two dozen roses here. Now, I've actually talked to women and heard some women say, oh, I don't care. I just want the roses. (laughs) But I don't think that's really true, is it? Here's what she wants to hear. And this is what our Lord wants to hear. We come to the door and we have our two dozen roses. And she answers the door and I go here. And she says, honey, we can't afford that. And I say, oh, I know. I just couldn't help myself. Love compelled me to do this. I I could not not do this. I just had to. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, this, this is the key. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we, we prayed that you would take the blinders from our eyes and send us your spirit. And I probably said some things wrongly, And I ask that people just forget all those things. But the things that accurately reflect your mind and are are true things about your word and about your gracious, glorious sacrifice of Christ for us, that we would remember those things. And that your spirit would apply them to our hearts. And that we would remember them for the rest of our lives and that the word of truth by the Spirit of God would lead us to you, that you would appear to us by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. amen.